Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. I appreciate you listening in. I hope you guys enjoyed that last episode with Ethan of Live Free Armory. This episode we're going to talk about some stuff going on in the gun world and some new stuff coming out and just a bunch of bunch of interesting shit that I hope you find just as entertaining as it was for me looking it up. So let's go ahead and start getting into it. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. That's the best way to keep up with our podcasts as they come out. Also, if you can, go ahead and leave us a review. It's the best way for people to find us when they're looking for gun-related content on their podcast platform. If, if I mean, on you know Spotify, it's just like a star system, so it's super easy. On Apple Podcasts, if you're listening there, just make sure if you can, please leave us like just a a word, like a one sentence review, like good podcast, shit like that. It's the best way for people to find us when they're looking for uh, gun-related content. Also, go ahead and check out our social media. That's the best way to keep up with what we're doing in between podcasts. You might also find some pretty fucking cool memes. We're everywhere to a lifestyle. Also, if you feel like you really like this podcast and you want to support us, we do have a Patreon. Anything you guys give us, it goes directly into the podcast. That's the best way to help us out. It's not going into my range you know fund or anything like that uh it's goes directly in this podcast to buy microphones the publishing of this platform shit like that so anything you give us it's greatly appreciated so with that let's go ahead and start getting into the main segment because i knew there was nobody out there who even had a chance of cheating all the money I spent on Sephora while I was on tour and you were with Kevin. No more no boo on my bill, you broke bitch. Go choke on a hot dog from 7 Eleven. Cause your secrets are not safe with me anymore. As with every podcast, we're going to highlight the shooting sports. Uh, the first article comes to us from Amelan, and it's titled as Team Remington's Wendell Cherry Wins NC or NSCA US Open. So, uh, Team Remington shooter and sporting clay veteran Wendell Cherry won the coveted high overall uh, spot at the National Sporting Clays Association U.S. Open. That was March 27th through April 2nd in Tuscan, Arizona. He secured the first place finish in a shootoff. Uh, Cherry bested the field of uh, many other competitors and took high overall, both in the main event and the veterans division. In addition, Team Remington, Remington's Madison Sharp, Todd Hutch, Todd Hitch, my mistake, and Mike Luongo all secured top 10 places shooting Remington ammunition in the U.S. Open. Sharp continues to shoot at the highest level, coming in second place in the Ladies' Cup and third place in these ladies' main event. So good on them. And again, if you guys can, you know, like I said, we always try and support the shooting sports, let people know. So uh, the first kind of news story, well, let's, before we get into the news story, let's talk about some good shit going, well, this is good shit, we'll just continue on with this. This comes to us from Pew Pew Tactical, uh, and Florida Governor OK's permitless carry. So the Florida legislature passed uh, constitutional carry. And it went to Governor Ron DeSantis's desk, and he signed the bill this week, which allowed Florida to become the 26th state to become uh, constitutional carry, which is amazing. Always happy with that. Uh, going into the next story, uh, comes to us from Amelan. <clears throat> 
titled Hemington Repeating Arms Honors Military Veterans with $25,000 Donation. This is awesome. So uh, Henry Repeating Arms uh, announced a donation of $25,000 to the Semper Fi in America's Fund uh, in support of their mission to care for critically wounded, ill, and injured service members, veterans, and their families. Uh, you know, this is awesome. As part of the uh, $1 million silver anniversary pledge, and on behalf of all the employees of Remington, they stated they're honored to provide the $25,000 check. Said the CEO uh, and founder, Anthony Imperito, during a fundraising event at the Hudson Farm Club in Hopat. Kong in uh, Hopat Kong, I guess, New Jersey, and he said he was thankful to all who served and those that continue to serve and work to so hard to uh, make the Simplify in America's Fund as impactful as possible. The check was presented at a live auction for the first rifle in a three-piece series, which has raised so far $19,000 for the organization. The last uh, rifle in the series is available to public through an online auction at Gunbroker, if you're interested in that. So definitely want to give Henry Arms their due. Someone else that is doing some good stuff, this comes to us from the Firearms blog, Silencer Central donates over $1 million in conservation support. Now, uh, we have talked numerous times on the podcast about how conservation is a huge part of the farms industry and the farms community. Uh, hunting is a huge thing in you know the farms community. Uh, that's how a lot of people get introduced into you know shooting and the shooting sports and different parts of the farms community. So we definitely are always wanting to support. You know conservation and hunting uh, and youth shooting sports and all that kind of stuff because they all kind of you know intertwine together. Uh, so Silence Central has continued to build strong relationships within the firearms industry, include a wide array of conservation organizations uh, which aim to preserve wildlife and habitats where Americans work, live, hunt, and shoot. So they ended up donating over $1 million. So this is going to go to several conservation organizations. Uh, and they also donate suppressors to conservation funding, uh, fundraising events. Uh, so some of the stuff, it was end up being a total of $1.3 million goes to things like Delta Waterfowl, Ducks Unlimited, uh, Friends of the NRA, which I understand some people when they hear that, um, they might get a little, um, hesitant in regards to the NRA portion of it. But Friends of the NRA is a little bit different. It's something that I personally worked with here locally for a while uh, until the NRA just kind of kind of got me, you know, well, we went over all the stuff that the NRA has done and uh, how sometimes they kind of pilfer money from Friends of the NRA. But Friends of the NRA still does a lot of good stuff, in especially in regards to uh, public shooting ranges and uh, youth shooting sports. Uh, but also this money went to the Mule Deer Foundation, National Wildlife Turkey Foundation, Fever Pheasants Forever and Quail Unlimited, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the Safari Club International, Wild Sheep Foundation, and Whitetails Unlimited. So that is awesome. Uh, also, these suppressors that they donated to these organizations are used as store prizes, auction pieces, raffle prizes, and 100% of the funds generated from these events go directly into the organization, which do not go back to Silencer Central. 
So really happy that Silencer Central is, is doing such good things in regards to that. Uh, next thing we're going to be talking about comes to us from the firearms blog. And this is really, uh, you know, we've seen this with bump stocks and we're seeing it now with stabilizing braces. This article comes to us from the firearms blog and its title is Manufacturers Rush to Export Thousands of Pistol Stabilizing Braces as Amnesty Deadline Looms. So obviously we've talked about it uh, in regards to the ATF's reversal of stabilizing braces and what it's doing to the firearms community and what it's doing to these businesses. So the manufacturers that still have stabilizing braces are shipping them overseas to prevent from being, you know, uh, un you know, I say quote unquote unlawful, uh, according to the ATF, because these businesses still need to operate under the ATF rules and guidance because there's other things that they sell. They have employees that they need to continue to pay and they can't do that if the business is being shut down and their assets seized by the ATF. So I understand uh, from a business standpoint of what these people have to do. So uh, they're shipping them to different things uh, across, you know, overseas in regards to try and, you know, have them not just be destroyed like the bump stocks were, uh, but also, you know, get them out of their current inventory in American companies because they don't want to uh, get in trouble with the ATF. So, you know, they're all sending them overseas to different organizations and different companies to try and, and unload their stock uh, U.S. So I'm curious, and uh, who knows if they'll ever do this, but I'd love to see either the GOA or the FPC or the S, uh, the S the Second Amendment Foundation. I was going to say SFA, but you might not know what that is. You know, love to see them, someone do a study to see how much money these businesses have lost. And, you know, we have seen, you know, with the bump stock that businesses lost on tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, in this country, you are not allowed to be without property or life without due process. And, I, you know the due process in regards to this just was non-existent so i would love to see how much money these companies have lost so that way maybe there could be some sort of financial repercussions against the atf and maybe even the federal government for what's going on with the stabilizing brace and what happened with the bump stocks uh next article we're going to talk about comes to us from guns.com and titled is atf gun control gets grilled before Congress. Now, there was numerous videos across this uh, on TikTok, on YouTube, Facebook that I've seen where uh, the ATF uh, was brought before congressional committees to talk about recent things, especially like stabilizing braces, something they talked about. They talked about uh, different, you know, actions that the ATF has taken in regards to gun control. And man, they were just absolutely fucking dragged through the mud. And some of the stuff that the ATF brought up in regards to, um, you know, reasoning for gun control was actually 
you know, Jim Crow era type gun laws. And it was unbelievable. One example was Representative Jim Jordan, who's Republican from Ohio, uh, slammed the ATF for reversing cor- uh, course on the braces without Congress's input after a decade precedent that the gun owners relied on for guidance for the ATF regulations. Uh, also, Representative Byron Daniels, representative from Florida, Republican, pressed for more information on the ramifications on the ATF's final brace rule. Uh, you know, it was very comical to see how the ATF used uh, their history of gun control, and especially some you know Jim Crow era gun control, as their logic for doing these things. Um, you know, Representative Matt Gates, who's also Republican from Florida, has a bill in Congress to ban the ATF. Uh, he asked Wilcox and the agency's track record of compiling uh, an illegal gun registry in the past, which is all facts. So it would, uh, and then something else, finally, uh, Republican Clay Higgins, who's a Republican from Louisiana, introduced a bill that would grandfather any, fire, any firearm or firearm attachment lawfully manufactured, owned, possessed before the effective date of the new rule of regulation, which would shortcut the ATS brace rule and similar rule changes in the future. Uh, it's very interesting. And, you know, with the House of Representatives, it's a mixed bag. Uh, you get some really good people because there's more people to pull from uh, and find out who are some really good freedom love Americans and how some of those people really push for our freedoms. Then you also get some fucking crackpots like AOC uh, who live in a small district, a very dense district, and they're all filled with fucking loons. So this is uh, some kind of sad news. Uh, I don't know if anybody has heard this or heard of this individual. This come to us from Recoil. Uh, titled is American Spartan, an afternoon with Billy Wall. And Billy Wall, if you aren't familiar with who he is, this gentleman has lived an absolutely, an absolutely incredible life. Um, he started his kind of career uh, for the U.S. government. Uh, in Korea, where he was an airborne soldier. Uh, and then when it went into Vietnam, he was uh, Special Forces. And then after Special Forces, uh, going into, I can't remember if he was in Panama, Grenada or not. Um, but after Special Forces, he went to work for the CIA in their kind of clandestine forces. Uh, I can't remember the exact uh, terminology for what that, you know, it's changed over time as well. But the exact group in the CIA is called, but then he went to go work with them and he caught uh, the Jackal, which there's a very interesting book called Hunting the Jackal that came out in 2004 that I read. Uh, And I've been thinking about putting it in the gun culture segment, um, but I haven't yet. But it's definitely something that you think you should read. Uh, it's something that we might talk about later. Uh, but he has just lived an absolutely interesting life and a crazy life that was awesome. So, I mean, he, his career started in Korea, and ultimately he was a part of some of the first CIA forces that were on the ground in Afghanistan during the first uh, part of the war on terror. So his span has just crossed so much of American history. And his book, the book is absolutely 
you know, incredible. And he passed on April 4th at the age of 93. And I think it's very sad. Uh, he's done so much in service to the country. Uh, and it just goes to, you know, I'm not, I don't know Billy Wall personally. I really don't. But he has done a lot for, you know, the country. And it's something that we need to think about, especially when we talk about certain things like the CIA or the FBI, uh, you know, a lot of the three-letter agencies, because there are some good individuals in there, even though the command of those organizations might be corrupt as fuck, and the politicians that use those, you know, three-letter agencies use them for, you know, unconstitutional purposes. But there's still some people in those organizations that do so much for the country. So I just want to put that out there because I read the book. The book was absolutely phenomenal, and I recommend everybody read it. The next article comes to us from Ameland. With only minutes to spare, Biden administration appeals bump stock case to SCOTUS. So we talked about this bump stock case not too long ago where uh, a federal circuit court ruling uh, decided that the uh, bump stock ban was unconstitutional. And by a 13-3 in favor, uh, the Fifth Circuit uh, reinforced the principle that the laws are to be written by the Congress and not federal administrators, basically stating that the ATF overstepped their bounds in regards to the bump stock case. Well, you know, the federal government has a certain amount of time to appeal that kind of stuff, and they waited until the very last fucking second of it to appeal it. So, the uh, DOJ has asked for a stay against the circuit court's ruling, and uh, it is to be remanded to uh, back to the district court, who actually ruled in favor of Cargill uh, in this back in January of this year. So, you know, whether the ban to bump, you know, bumps, you know, but whether to ban the bump stocks, you know, is the question and the responsibility that lies with Congress and not agencies like the Department of Justice and ATF. But we got to wait for this to play out in the courts. And quite honestly, I hope this goes to the Supreme Court because we've seen with the EPA ruling that happened around the same time with Bruin. Uh, we definitely know that the Supreme Court, I'm pretty fucking sure, will side with gun owners on this. So I'm very interested to see what's going to happen in regards to that and i will keep you updated as we continue to cover news on the podcast next article comes to us from Ameland, new york court rules due process needed for red flag orders so this is pretty interesting so you know obviously uh you know new york uh as soon as the bruin case came down passed a flood of gun control legislation to try and limit a gun owner's right to carry a firearm outside of their residence and in public and did lots of different things to try and make it more difficult to kind of skirt around Bruin. But one thing that they did was red flag orders and uh, the New York confirmed that the due process rights must be taken into consideration when enforcing so-called red flag laws and in new york's case the court requires that any red flag order must be accompanied by a determination from a physician or psychiatrist so uh you know i'm not a huge fan of this especially in liberal places like new york 
where hold on where uh you know there are liberal uh judges and liberal psychiatrists and liberal physicians who say that you know yes you are fit or no you are fit because a lot of those doctors in those areas uh they obviously are you know anti second amendment and they might just go ahead and rule that you're unfit just because they think you know a lot of them have come out and said in these organizations that uh, people shouldn't have certain types of firearms and you know they shouldn't you know carry them out in public and and whatever and it's just another way to skirt around this so uh, I'm curious to see how this is going to go and especially uh, what's going to happen with the psychiatrists and physicians that are going to be making these decisions. I'd love to see some sort of breakdown in how many people are, you know, denied or how many people are approved on these red flag orders based off of physician and psychiatrist rulings. So going on to the next story, uh, this kind of talked to us a little bit earlier about uh, Silencer Central's uh, donations. This comes to us from Ameland. Bipartisan support for early hunting education, tradition still alive. This is something that I think that we can all get along. Um, U.S. Representative uh, Mary Peltola, who's a Democrat from Alaska, uh, stated that she appreciates the opportunity to put a plug in for many, many Americans who are responsible gun owners. Congressman Peltola said, you look at some of the tragedies that are occurring, and those aren't hunters, those aren't kids that have grown up with hunting and the good values I think hunting and hunting families provide you know definitely the Second Amendment is not just there for hunting it's for uh, you know the right to keep in all you know bear all arms you know whether it be for self-defense hunting or for protection against tyrannical governments whether it be ours or others and this is where I think that we can find at least that common ground that we can push uh, youth hunter education, youth gun safety uh, in regards to firearms. And that is something, like I said, you know, if somebody is um, taught at a young age, you know, about hunting, conservation, uh, shooting safety, and you start getting them familiar with firearms, that is something that we can all agree on and that we can all, you know, use to get those you know those people that may you know never have those opportunities because of their family dynamic whatever it may be whether it be uh, liberal family members financial reasons um, or just geographical reasons it's something that we can introduce you know new uh, gun enthusiasts to firearms and then we can use that to you know get them to be more supportive of the Second Amendment. And that is something I think that is a bipartisan issue that we can all agree on, that that's something that we all need to do. And that's what we really need to push as the farms community. Going into the next story uh, we talk about is from Amelan. Talks about Biden ETF gaslighting the public about rogue gun dealers. Now this is something that is very disconcerting. So. Uh, since Biden has took up office, there has been 
an increase of 500% of FFL revocations because of uh, that is what Biden is going after. So Biden, you know, has failed and tried to get some sort of legislation passed to uh, stop the, you know, the end result of where people get their firearms. So they're going after the middlemen. They're going after the manufacturers which is what we're seeing with bump stocks and uh, stabilizing braces, and they're going after the FFLs. So Biden is hoping that with dealer scarcity that people don't have access to firearms like they do now. So you know, Joe Biden is weaponizing ATF and their psychophants in the legacy media uh, by launching an elaborate campaign to change the public's perception of thousands of federally licensed gun dealers across the country who Biden is wanting to put out of business. In an executive order issued March 14th, Joe Biden promised to provide the public and policymakers with more information regarding federally licensed firearms dealers who are violating the law. So, but the problem is, is the majority of these gun dealers aren't violating the law. What they're doing is they're making minor clerical errors, but that is not stopping the weaponized ATF from creating a new narrative and from putting these people out of business. So gun dealers, Biden says, are violating federal law and putting all at risk by increasing the likelihood that firearms will fall into dangerous hands. And the Biden administration and the attorney general is going to publicly release to the fullest extent permissible by law ATF records from the inspection of firearms dealers cited for violation of federal firearms law. So, as on cue, the ATF just released the names of nearly 100 shops that is put out of business by revoking their FFLs. Uh, and, you know, they're doing this by stating that some of these ratifications are refusal to allow an IOI to conduct an inspection, transferring a firearm to a prohibited person, failing to conduct a required background check, falsifying records, or failing to respond to a trace request. However, the ATF points out just that the actual reason for the revocations may include but are not limited to the above list. So they're pushing that, but they're not saying, you know, at the very end, like whenever you see a fucking uh, pharmaceutical commercial, all the stuff at the end that they do, you know, say really fast that you can't understand, not limited to the above list. That's what they're trying to say at the end. So they are, in fact, monocle clerical, er clerical errors, which the ATF now considers willful violations of its self-written rules rather than simple mistakes because it's zero-tolerance policy under the Biden administration and Attorney General Merrick Garland. So the ATF is doing this, and I'm telling you now, I'm seeing this on the law enforcement side as well, that the ATF is wanting to uh, bump their stats by... Uh, you know, just introducing, uh, you know, trying to, to have local law enforcement to report more stuff to the ATFs. So that way they can uh, try and go after these gun dealers that might have sold, uh, you know, somebody or something. And that could be because there was uh, a miss in NICS or it could be because uh, there was, um, you know, the mandatory... I think, what is it, like five days, five business days, if you get a, uh, not a delay, uh, or not a denial or an approval, but a delay, if you don't, you know, get a delay or denial or approval within five days, you have to give that to, 
the you know you have to give it the purchase of their firearm, um, and then they're also looking for any sort of uh, you know altered serial numbers. That way they can consider it a ghost gun. It's just absolutely fucking sick what you know the executive branch is trying to do to weaponize these three letter agencies. The next article comes to us from Amland, North Carolina overrides governor's veto and eliminates Jim Crow era pistol permit. So on March 29th, the North Carolina legislature voted to override the veto uh, of Democratic North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper. Uh, in the Senate, as expected, the vote was 30 to 19, with it just being a you know a straight partisan vote. And uh, in the House, there are 71 Republicans and 49 Democrats. Three-fifths of the vote is required to override the veto, and all members voted. 72 votes would be required. In this case, three Democrats were excused. So they ended up overriding it. So, uh, you know, they ended up... Uh, the requirement to obtain a permit to purchase or transfer a pistol was passed in 1919 uh, during the height of the Ku Klux Klan at that time. And they ended up removing the ban on carrying a concealed handgun in the worship, uh, place of worship, which also includes educational property. So they ended up just removing a lot of firearms laws, which we you know, have said before. Gun control has a, uh, a very racist pass and a lot of these laws were passed during Jim Crow era to try and stifle minorities from being able to carry and purchase firearms. Uh, next uh, article comes to us from Ameland. It's titled, Is Firearms Policy Coalition Loses Bid to Block the Pistol Brace Rule? Uh, this is very unfortunate. So Judge Reed O'Connor, who is a George W. Bush appointee, ruled uh, that the ATF pistol brace rule is constitutional and the federal lawsuit is the first on pistolizing stabilized God I need to slow down pistol stabilizing devices to be decided the case which was mock v Garland was brought by the FPC in the Northern District of Texas and the FPC asked the judge to issue a preliminary injunction against the rule which the judge denied on the pleas of the plaintiff. So the FPC claimed that the ATF exceeded statutory jurisdiction and violated the Administrative Procedures Act, and Judge O'Connor disagreed. So this is very interesting, especially after that last EPA ruling that I was talking about earlier from the Supreme Court. And what we have seen with the bump stock rule recently in January. Um, I, this is obviously going to be appealed, and we're I'm very interested to see how this is going to continue on in the future. So going on into the next story, which also comes to us from Ameland, uh, which states judge rules law restricting carry permits for 18 to 20 year olds ruled unconstitutional. And this occurred in Minnesota of all places, uh, which, you, you know, nationally it's pretty, you know, universal that people 18 to 20 can't get uh, constitutional carry permits because uh, it is you know they're ruled that you know you can't even purchase a handgun until you're 21 uh, but US District Court or US District Judge Catherine Menendez issued her 50 page decision in a case known as Worth v Harrington uh, and stated that that is unconstitutional <clears throat> so the Second Amendment uh, Foundation filed the suit and it was joined by the Minnesota Minnesota gun owners caught Caucus, geez, that's a tricky word. 
Firearms Policy Coalition, and three young adults, Austin Dye, Axel Anderson, and Kristen Worth, the latter for whom the case is named, and they're represented by attorneys Blair W. Nelson, David H. Thompson, Peter H. Patterson, and William V. Bergston, in case you're curious. Um, you know, Brian, uh, Blair W. Nelson is the only attorney from Minnesota. The others are from Washington, D.C. So the SFA, uh, SAF founder and executive vice president, Alan Gottlieb, stated Judge Menendez's ruling is a huge victory for young adults and their right to keep and bear arms. So this is kind of regionally. Um, but I'm curious to see with this victory if they're going to go to other states and see if they can get this overturned and ruled as unconstitutional as well. So we will definitely see where this is going. Next article also comes to us from Amelan and it is titled Congress Members Stop ATF Inspection of the Nation's Largest Gun Dealer. So when this article actually came, I remember uh, what was going on. This is actually in Georgia. Uh, this is a store called Out, uh, Adventure Outdoors, which is one of the country's largest FFLs, uh, located in Smyrna, Georgia. Uh, and they were surprised when 16 uh, ATF inspectors uh, showed up on their store Monday. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, which is actually like this is, I think this is, if not inter-district, it's very near district because she is a representative from Georgia. She stated that most of the inspectors were from cities like San Francisco and uh, Los Angeles. Uh, they stated it is not uncommon for the amount of inspectors to show up at a location, and it is not common, or sorry, it is not common for that amount of to show up at a location. And it is not common for the IOIs to come from out of state. Representative Green arrived at the store with several other members of Congress to investigate what was going on with the unprecedented inspection, and the inspectors on scene refused to answer any of the Congresswoman's questions. They retreated to the cars where they called public relations officers who came to the store to answer members for the Congress uh, Congresswoman. And I remember when this occurred because uh, it first was uh, reported as an ATF raid, but then the ATF stated that it was not actually a raid. It was just an ATF inspection. But it is very unprecedented that that amount of um, inspectors come to a store and that they have inspectors from out of state come there as well. And as we talked about earlier, you know, with President Biden, they're looking to shut down these FFLs. You know, over 500% since Biden has took office. So the ATF has also tried to change the definition. Uh, I'm sorry, that's something else. But anyway, uh, so this is what's going on in the, Ho the House Oversight Committee uh, can investigate these inspections by requesting records leading up to the inspections. And from my understanding, that's what Representative Green is looking to do. This next article uh, is talking about what's going on. Well, I'm going to hold off on that one second because I want to finish up with that. Next article comes from Inside, Business Insider, uh, and it's titled, Missouri officials refuse to work with the ATF, saying all federal so-called gun laws are unconstitutional. So Camden County, Missouri, they're trying to refuse working with the ATF. And at, the ATF has asked for zoning information for people applying to open new gun stores. Officials cited a sin-struck-down state law that kept police from enforcing federal gun laws. But these people are saying, fuck you, this is still going on. 
So six top elected officials from Cannon County sent a letter to the ATF saying as much, according to the NPR affiliate in that area. The population of the county is only 43,700, according to the latest census records, but the officials cited the state's Second Amendment Preservation Act on as grounds to refuse to cooperate, but a federal judge struck down that law just last month. The letter was signed by two of, uh, you know, a attorney, the sheriff, and the county treasurer. Uh, none of them have, you know, responded to comment from the news. Uh, the ATF was attempting to get zoning information to process applications for four individuals trying to open up gun shops in the county. So, uh, you know, it's very interesting to see what's going on. I'm glad to see that these local... Um, politicians are kind of standing up to the atf honestly i'd rather them you know try and stand up for the atf for something a little bit more uh egregious because this is kind of low-key not really you know honestly they're delaying those four people trying to get ffls they're delaying those people from getting ffls and this just you know kind of um just you know this could allow those people to be denied an FFL. So, you know, appreciate what y'all doing, but, you know, it's like a kid making a big deal out of nothing. And this is interesting, uh, you know, news source, but I'm going to say this comes to us from the Marijuana Moment. But it's uh, titled, uh, Arkansas Lawmakers Passed Bill Protecting Medical Marijuana's Patients' Gun Rights and are sending it to the governor's desk. So... If you aren't familiar with uh, 4473, a 4473 is the paperwork you have to fill out whenever you purchase a new firearm. But in there, it states, are you a user uh, of any uh, controlled substance, like, you know, federally controlled substance? Marijuana is still a, you know, Schedule One narcotic according to the federal government. So it's a very tricky situation to where... Uh, these states have passed either medical marijuana or recreational marijuana, but they are, um, you know, preventing, you know, these people are in a very gray area in regards to whenever they fill out the 4473s. But the Arkansas Senate has approved a bill to clarify that medical marijuana patients can obtain concealed carry license for firearms, and they're sending it to the governor. So this is really more kind of like along the line of concealed carry firearms, but um, it is still a tricky situation in regards to 4473s. So the bill stipulates that a person's status as a qualified medical cannabis patient in the state cannot be used in determining whether an applicant is eligible to be issued a license to carry a concealed hair gun, a handgun. Hey, you know it would be great? Just go ahead and become a constitutional carry state and you ain't got to worry with that bullshit anyway. But I just thought that was interesting. I'm glad to see that a conservative state like Arkansas is still trying to protect gun owners uh, from marijuana, which is becoming more and more legal, at least on a state level, every day. This next article uh, comes to us from NBC News, uh, and it's titled, Florida Sheriff Goes on a Wild Rant Against Gun Laws While Announcing Three Arrests and Shootings That Killed Three Teenagers. And this is something else that has been made the rounds on uh, social media that I've seen. I saw this personally on Facebook and I think in TikTok. Um, but 
what's going on is this Florida sheriff was holding a news conference in regards to uh, arrests made uh, of shootings that killed three teenagers. And the press was asking, uh, you know, about gun control and they're asking where the you know shooters got these firearms and the sheriff ended up stating that they got the firearms from illegal vehicle break-ins which we've covered before on the show your vehicle is not a holster do not leave your fucking firearms in your vehicle especially in you know fucking holsters that are designed for vehicles or on magnets or your glove box, or your center console, or any other bullshit like that. Um, and the the sheriff went on a pretty good tirade against gun control laws and referenced this because he knew he was being set up for you know criticism from these reporters on gun control laws when uh, he was being asked these questions. So he just cut him off right you know you know before the the reporters were able to try and get him an "I got you" moment. And just kind of railed on them in reference to these, you know, the guns being stolen and unlawful break-ins. And was stating that, you know, these people that want to do people harm, they're going to continue to try and find means to harm those people. uh, Because they didn't, you know, go to a a gun store and purchase it legally. Uh, They just went and stole them. So I thought that was a very, uh, very powerful um, thing. Uh, the last thing that I'm going to talk about, and it, I'm kind of a little late on the game because I missed uh, the the podcast, you know, a couple weeks ago. But if you, unless you've lived on Iraq, you know about the Nashville school shooting, and you you know that this person, um, you know, I'm not going to get a whole lot into the trans debate, but you know, I personally, I'm one of those people. I don't give a fuck what you do, but as soon as it starts to impede on uh, me or my loved ones that's when i have an issue so if you want to call yourself a man even though you're born a woman or vice versa uh, i'm not gonna i don't care but if you force me to call you a man or a woman uh, when you're clearly opposite or if you try and play in sports that my kids play in and you have an unfair advantage because you might have been, you know, uh, injected with natural testosterone most of your life. Uh, then I have issues with that, and I also have issues with, um, you know, this was considered a uh, a psychological issue for many, many, many years, and then only recently, because of political correctness, which we have seen in regards to. Um, different things like the uh you know gun control lobbyists and whatnot we have seen that these people uh, are just kind of mentally ill for a lot of point you know a lot of parts uh and it's well anyway it's been taken out as a mental illness and we're all expected to to see this and you know like I said, it was considered mental illness, and if you were diagnosed with this, you could be prohibited from owning a firearm. So, um, there are lots of things going on with this particular thing. But in regards to the Tennessee, obviously, this person was mentally 
ill. And then there was another story. Again, if you follow us on social media, uh, you will know that there's another story in Colorado uh, where another trans person was planning on doing a mass shooting and they were stopped by law enforcement. But, you know, it's, it's, and there's, God, there's been many memes to where a lot of recent mass shooters were trans people as well. And I'm not saying every trans person is going to go out there and commit a shooting, but it, it should go to say that a lot of these people's mental health is being called into question. Like any mass shooter, honestly, any mass shooter has mental health issues. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are trying to blame it on the gun when we know that this is a mental health issue, whether you're trans or not. Any mass shooter that does what they do is, a, you know, having clear mental health. But uh, this happened in Tennessee. And if you haven't, if you aren't familiar with what happened, there was a lot of shit uh, where there was protests and riots in the Tennessee state capitol. And the, um, you know, Democrat, you know, I fucking saw this all over social media um, just because, you know, I had, especially like from the military, I have a lot of liberal friends and, uh, you know, they're posting this as being brave and what they're doing and all this other bullshit. But if you look at that, you know, footage and you look at January 6th footage, I mean, you really don't see a difference in my opinion, except that Tennessee was fucking prepared and they brought this Tennessee state patrol and they, you know, arrested fucking people and protected the legislature. Um, but, you know, several lawmakers uh, were going to support and openly supported these protesters and the Tennessee state uh, legislature was going to expel uh, three, but they only voted to expel two. And the media, especially the progressive media, is using this as a banner to try and, um, you know, expound on their noble ideas of gun control in how, you know, Republicans are bad, Democrats are good, you know, we need to support the children, this is a, you know, protest uh, being put on by the children, and, and all this other kind of bullshit, but it's just a bunch of spoiled little shits, in my opinion, that, you know, when I was their age, you know, I did things like, you know, under the college Republicans, and, and other stuff, but I did it after I did my studying, and after I did my job, because I worked a full-time job while I was going to school getting my undergrad. And, you know, I didn't have time to go fucking, uh, you know, protest at the state capitol. It was always like meetings after hours uh, to, you know, elect people to go have meetings with representatives that were always after hours as well, uh, doing college Republican shit. But the Tennessee state legislature advanced a bill to let teachers carry farms without notifying parents. And this comes from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. And this is something that really should be done. Uh, you know, teachers need to be able to protect their students. And allowing teachers to carry firearms, and especially like you see more and more local law enforcement um, that are... Uh, giving training to these teachers, uh, that is good shit that we need to see. And, you know, especially 
some parents, parents that are really fucking progressive liberals and they want to show up at school board meetings and create such a fucking scene like these little shit teenagers did um, at the Tennessee State House. You know, I understand how, why, you know, a school board, uh, you know, might not want to let this, the parents know because of that kind of shit right there. And that is the kind of shit that they're trying to avoid. So uh, that is what's what passed, and that is what's going on in Tennessee. Uh, let me know your thoughts. You know, you can, y'all can always email me to a lifestyle at mail.com. Uh, but that is going to be our main segment. Let's go ahead and start getting into the gun gear news and reviews and the gun culture. Well, the first thing that we're going to be talking about in reference to gun gear is the Glock 20. Oh, shit. Sorry. I had a weird fucking hiccup there. Uh, The Glock 28 is coming to the United States, which is, you know, crazy. Uh, It's a little too late, in my opinion, uh, with the Glock 42. But, you know, the Glock 28 is a 380, uh, but it is a double stack, and it is more akin to the size of a uh, Glock 26. Now, if they want to make this into like a Glock 19 style firearm, that's what would be fucking killer in my opinion. But, uh, you know, they're bringing the Glock 28. Maybe the next thing, I think it's a Glock... I think it's a Glock 20 or... No, not. it might be a Glock 20. I'm not sure. Which is like the 19 frame. Uh, but it is a... Uh, you know, 380, which you would hold more ammunition. I think that's pretty fucking cool. But anyway, that's coming in, and I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, something else that's coming from Pew Pew Tactical is the Taser Pulse. Uh, better, less lethal option? Uh, I absolutely think so. I think uh, this is something... Everybody needs to have something on them. Uh, the You know, that intermediary between, you know, your fists and... Um, a firearm whether that be mace uh this is a great option now this is a bit prof uh, pricey obviously uh it's 399 dollars uh and it is like a one-time shot you know hopefully it fucking works it's basically very similar to what the uh law enforcement had back in the day when tasers first became available which is like a one shot two prongs come out type thing uh, instead of like with law enforcement, uh, it only lasts for five seconds. This lasts for 30 seconds. It's got a 15 foot range. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I'm telling you, those tasers are nothing to fuck with. Uh, I just uh, assisted in a taser certification for some new jailers. And, you know, you definitely clearly see what's going on. Like one of the motherfuckers, I was holding his arm and, and that bitch seriously grabbed my nipple and gave me the worst purple nipple uh, ever. Uh, it, and I had to like yank away while he was holding on my nipple and it hurt really fucking hard. Tasers, tasers don't fuck around. Uh, next thing comes to us from the Farms blog and it's titled, uh, is the new, met, uh, the new retro M81 Woodland Camel Holster from Safariland. Now, uh, these are going to come in uh, different options. You can either get them in the 
ALS to the SLS. They come fit with, uh, for the Glock model 17, 1934, the FN509, SIG P320 Compact uh, in full size, Staccato P Duo in the Smith & Wesson M&P uh, 4.25 uh, or 5 inch models. Uh, you can also uh, get it, it comes with a QLS 19 locking fork, which is awesome. And it's woodland camo, which is awesome. It's that's clearly the best camouflage uh, that we should have stuck with. I don't know why we went to ACU Digicam bullshit. But these things are a bit pricey. Uh, you're looking at two fifty nine, seventy five, or less. So I think I've seen these go for around like two twenty. But these are the gold standard, in my opinion, for holsters. Also from the Farms blog, new training shot timer from MDT. Uh, MDT has released a training shot timer for all skill levels, and it can be used obviously for handguns or rifles, but also you can use it for dry fire practice. So it will pick up the click from dry fire practice, which is really cool. Uh, it stores all shooting data, and it can be linked with an accompanying app. It allows users to film video with real-time statistics and share it on social media. Uh, that is really fucking cool. It's super tiny, super light, but you're looking at a starting price of $300. So it's a bit pricey, but with, uh, you know, shot timers nowadays, I got the, like the big blue box one. Um, you're looking at around, I think it was like around 130, 140. But the fact that this picks up dry firing is really fucking cool because uh, mine doesn't pick up dry firing and the fact that it also pairs with an app so like if you and your buddies want to use it you can share you know data that's pretty fucking cool uh, this also comes to us from the firearms blog special edition builder sets from anderson manufacturing now i understand it's anderson um but they do have some pretty badass uh cerakote designs in regards to this with this you come with the upper lower buffer tube and an M-Lock uh, handguard. But uh, man, they are really proud of their shit for it being Anderson. This shit is $500, $499.95. Uh, but now they also have something that's really fucking cool. It's called A-Palms. It's only available for April. Um, and it's like black, pink, and blue. Uh, it looks a little bit uh, like Hawaiian shirtish. It's pretty fucking badass. I actually thought about getting it until I saw that price point because that is really fucking cool. And the fact it's an Anderson. Uh, the next couple things we're going to be talking about, uh, we're talking about Strike Industries. Uh, this comes to us from the Firearms blog. It talks about increased capabilities with the Strike Shotgun Barrel Clamp for 12-gauge. This is pretty cool. Uh, it's a little clamp that attaches between your barrel and your... Uh, your shell tube uh, right underneath your barrel on the shotgun uh, providing a Picatinny rail on one side or you can uh, have it for a QD on a sling. Uh, it comes in black FDE or Titan and they're machined aluminum. Uh, this is kind of cool. Uh, only 40 bucks which really isn't that bad. Strike, Indi Strike Industries has been kind of killing it lately. Something else from Strike Industries and also the Farms blog, extended bolt handle for Benelli M2 by Strike Ind Industries. Uh, I really do like a, a, a more um, pronounced 
uh, charging handle for bolt guns, uh, like semi-automatic bolt guns like that. Uh, I think it is really cool. I have a Remington, I think it's called, 11, I think it's 1100 or 1187 or some shit like that. It's their semi-automatic version. Um, and I do, I would like a uh, more pronounced charging handle for that. Uh, in regards to this, this is only 30 bucks, so man, it's really not bad. Great price. And then we talk about some dumb shit Strike Industries is doing. This also comes to us in the Farms blog, and it's the new Strike Industries spare magazine holder for a 320. And this fucking thing is honestly something that you attach to the Picatinny rail in front of the trigger guard uh, underneath, like where you would normally put a. Uh, a weapon light and you hold your fucking extra magazine there uh, it is it looks dumb as fuck and honestly I'm very uh, um, I'm not saying you could use this as a handle to hold on to because that would make it an AOW which I'm sure that's I don't know if that's what they're going to I'm not going to speculate because uh, you know, I don't want anybody to get in trouble with the ATF in regards to this. That's why they're calling it a spare magazine holder. Um, but it, it just looks dumb and ugly as fuck. It's $40. Uh, check it out if that's your thing. That's not my thing. Anyway. Uh, next thing. Ruger reintroduces the Marlin Model 336 Classic Lever Action Rifle. Now, I have really been in a lever gun phase here recently. Uh, I got two uh, lever action uh, 3030s. One's a Winchester, one's a Marlin. Uh, I've been looking at getting a 4570 uh, just because I want one. And also, I've been looking at getting maybe like a 38 slash 357. So that way I could do some like uh, uh, cowboy action shooting. Uh, you know, but I'd like to have like one caliber that I can use. Uh, this thing's pretty cool. Uh, the it comes with a twenty uh, point, you know, twenty and a quarter inch barrel. Uh, it's going to be chambered in thirty thirty. Uh, they didn't announce a price point yet on it, and uh, they haven't advised, uh, you know, when they're going to be shipping. They're anticipating a strong demand, but they're encouraging consumers not to leave deposits with retailers as they have not confirmed shipments. So this is just something they announced, but they have not uh, actually done so yet. Something else that this is pretty cool, uh, this comes to us from the Firearms blog. Uh, new 22LR Overlander pack rifle from Keystone Shooting Arms. Now this is something I'd be really interested in. Um, like I was talking about doing uh, during the hunting season, but I didn't get to do uh, because of some shit from work. And then also I had COVID like during the fucking actual rut of uh hunting season which sucked dick so i didn't get to do any hunting but i'm wanting to do some longer period camping slash hunting slash fishing trips and now that uh you know like deer season's out i've been wanting to pack like a maybe like a small 22 with me something that i can kill squirrels or rabbits uh like small game and uh i you know i have like the uh, Marlin, I think it's like, what well, thing the model's like a 66, which is like the tube fed, semi-automatic. You know, of course I got my Ruger 1022, uh, but I would like a good takedown rifle, something lightweight that I could do, and this is very cool. Uh, it is a bolt action rifle, builds off of uh, the cricket action, 
uh, and adds, you know, it's got a bunch of cool, neat little modular uh, systems. It's uh, only three pounds and eight ounces, which is really cool. Uh, it's got a metal front and rear peep sight. It's got a threaded barrel, which is cool if you want to do, uh, you know, maybe some suppressed hunting, if you can in your area. It's got a carbon fiber st uh, storage tube. Uh, well, I'm sorry, this is additional features. Uh, so this is some extra shit that you can, you know, I'm sure buy it with. Uh, dual push button release and tele telescoping bump stock or butt stock. Jesus, not bump stock. Uh, chassis drilled and tape for Magpul rails. Uh, it's uh, tapped and drilled for Cricut and Cricut Tinny scope mounts, uh, pistol grip, metal, cocking knob, uh, and threaded barrel handle. Uh, it looks really cool. looks really light. Um, and it's $379, which is, eh, I mean, it's about the same price as a, uh, like a Ruger 1022 takedown. Um, but, you know, this, it's folds, you know, and it's really compact. Looking at the, uh, adjustment, it is length of pull, multiple adjustments, uh, collapsed. It's only 26 and a quarter inches long which is pretty small um and then max is 31 and three quarters inches so you got some very good adjustments there and then finally um something that i've been looking into personally uh for myself uh especially like for hunting trips uh just the only problem is like with alabama you know it's very dense thick woods so, you know, I'm having trouble justifying myself, uh, you know, spending this. Uh, this comes to us from Ballistic Mag, and it talks about new for 2023, four quiet cat e-bikes for shooters and outdoorsmen. Uh, I really have been looking into this because I think this is really cool. This is like uh, something that you can, you know, obviously you can use it as like a regular bike so you could pedal and you can, uh, you know, get exercise, but also it's uh, e-bikes, so that way if you get stuck, you could just like, you know, use this and it could pedal for you. And uh, it's kind of a nice in-between, between just like a regular bike and a four-wheeler. Um, you know, you have with these new things, the Apex Pro, the Apex Sport, the Ranger, the Pioneer and the Lynx. Now the Lynx looks pretty fucking cool to me because it it looks almost more like a motorcycle with like a motorcycle seat, um, but it's obviously an e-bike, and it features like a two-speed thousand-watt pub motor, uh, and this is kind of like more for a sportsman. It's you know it's not really built for um, like hunting and outdoorsy, but I like that seat. Uh, I just like that seat a lot better than like a usual uh, bike seat. But that's what we got for the Gun Gear News Reviews. Let's go ahead and start getting into the gun culture segment and start wrapping this bitch up. Well, we're doing something a little bit different today. Uh, usually when we go into the gun culture segment, we talk about uh, movies and things like that. But uh, we've done books in the past, but this time we're going to be talking about a book as well. 
So uh, we're going to talk about the Gray Man series. And I believe we have discussed the Gray Man movie before, which is a movie based on the uh, first book. But uh, this is something, you know, I really like reading. Uh, I'm more, I do more audiobooks just because that's what I have time for. Uh, but I actually have gotten several of the books and read them as well. And uh, what I really like about this series is that there's already uh, like 12 books out. So the, the first book came out in 2009 and he just released a new one this year. So it's something that has plenty of books out there. It's a very good series. Uh, what's nice about it is that you can like pick up in the middle of the series. Like say for example, if somebody just loans you like a book that's in the middle of the series and it's not uh, you know like you know the first book in the series, you could still pick up and and know what's going on. Um, and I really like that because I'll get into a series. And then I'll have to wait. Like, I love the Terminal List. Uh, I got into that. And I want to say we talked about uh, the Terminal List when the series first came out on Amazon Prime. But um, this is, you know, I hate it that I'm waiting for the new book to come out, which the new book comes out May in May, I think. Uh, I already pre-ordered it. But uh, this book, you know, this series, it's already got 12 out. And so there's plenty of different things for you to do. Uh, the first book, like I said, uh, is called The Gray Man. Uh, the second is on Target, Ballistic, Deadeye. Those are the first four. That's what I've gotten into uh, so far. I'm on book five, which is called Backblast. Uh, and like I said, there's a total of 12 out there. And this series uh, is based on a individual who was in the CIA uh, and the clandestine services, and he was uh, ordered to be executed by them, and then he took off and escaped, and he do has been doing uh, private contract work, and he's constantly having to evade the CIA and other people that are wanting to get him for the bounty from the CIA, and then, of course, he picks up enemy enemies along the way. And so, like I said, so far, I've read the first four books, and so far, like, really, I got to say, I think the second and third book have been my favorite so far. Um, I'm starting to read the fourth book after I'm finished reading my current book, which I'm still on uh, a, a Monster Hunter book that I have not read yet. Uh, and uh, I'm very interested and very excited to look in this one. Now, there's obviously some gunplay in there. It's not as in-depth and detail uh, about the guns being used in there uh, like it would be maybe for like the Monster Hunter series, which I really love. Um, and then maybe even the Terminal List. The Terminal List seems like it has some more... Uh, the you know gun specific stuff going on in it but this is still also very it's modern day tom clancy is, is the best way i could describe it uh if you've seen any of the tom clancy movies uh that's kind of what it is except modern day and i want to say we've discussed the movie uh in the gun culture segment before when it first came out um i actually watched the movie first before i started reading the books i only started reading the books this year um, 
and I, like I said, I've really enjoyed it this far, uh, and I'm very excited to continue to read these. I've gotten, uh, I went ahead and purchased, I think, up to like book eight or nine, uh, you know, so I'm going to be very invested in this, you know, book, the series of books for a while. Uh, it's something I definitely recommend you. Uh, they have the mass paper book, paperback books out there. And you can get them for like anywhere between like eight to ten dollars at like your local bookstore. Uh, I got them for around that price at Books a Million. Uh, I definitely recommend that this is something that you can get into. Or if you like to listen to audiobooks, they're all available on Audible, which, I, like I said, I've uh, listened to one or two of them on audiobooks and I've read uh, the other two, and now I'm about to start reading the fifth. So is the Gray Man series by Mike, excuse me, by Mark Greeny. Uh, I'm very excited and uh, would definitely recommend these series to anybody. And I'm, like I said, I'm excited to read the fifth one, which is Back Blast. So that's going to be it for our gun culture segment. Let's go ahead and start wrapping it up. Well, I greatly appreciate you for listening to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. Uh, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Uh, and also leave us a review if you can. That's the best way for people to find us when they're looking for gun-related content on their podcast platform. Also, go ahead and check out our social media and make sure you follow us there to keep up to date with what we're doing in between the podcast episodes. Also, please leave us a... Uh, uh, right, well, that's, you know... Like I said, follow us, fuck. I'm already thinking about what I'm going to be doing after this podcast, so like my brain's already kind of fucking jumbled. Um, if you feel like this is a good podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you would uh, you know, support us on Patreon. Anything you guys give us, it goes directly into the podcast. And also, uh, please help spread the podcast by sharing it. Uh, if you have a buddy that likes guns, uh, you can click that share button, and uh, you know they might be able to be discovered. You know the podcast as well. Uh, but until then, I hope y'all enjoyed, and keep on enjoying the two A lifestyle. <laughs>